Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bear on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat the designer here with the hardest working woman in sports talk right now. Courtney Cronin taking a break from all her first date duties. You've been amazing on there, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate Blessing that. us with uh, a, another appearance on the podcast here. You know, that little back burner, but I appreciate it. I like how's first <laughs> take been. It's been great. And it's such a fun time of year because, you know, these are reps that I normally don't get during the, during, you know, the, when I'm busy covering the bears, my, yeah. my day job during the season. So it's been fun. It's been, there's so many storylines in the NFL that we've been able to go through. Of course, the NBA now kind of quieting down. There's still, you know, a couple things we're following with Damian Lillard and James Harden, but it's nice right. that that's not the focal point because when media day season starts in college football, talking season, as we like to call it, yeah. it, it, you just get that itch. Okay. Training camp's about to be around the corner. We're about to be back in the full swing of this. And the wait's going to be over for fans wanting to get an up close look at their team and get a chance to figure out, okay, are all the off-season moves that my team, whichever of the 32 teams it is, did it? Will it pay off? Did the investment get a return uh, that was, you know, worth worth what they made the move for in the first place? So it's exciting. I'm excited for camp next week. I cannot believe how quickly it came upon us again. Like I, every year, I say this. There's like five weeks between the time that mini camp ends and training camp starts. Yeah, and you, it just goes like that. It's so yeah. fast and. I, I, you blink and we're right back in it. It's so funny because like, I was, I was literally uh, uh, telling Eric the other day, just like, we see you talk football so much and, and see you on all the shows, break down football. I think people forget how good you are at just talking sports. I was like, Courtney's like breaking down the NBA. Like she's followed every one of these teams to the <laughs> degree. So it was really cool seeing you kind of just getting to spread your wings a little bit more and not having to, the minute that around the horn gives you to yeah. basically like get as many of your thoughts out as you can right now and try to get some points. It's been uh, fun. But- it's been fun. We love having you back here. Training camp is here. The offseason moves, like you said, are they going to pay off? The funniest thing about this time of year is that every day over the next few weeks, there will be an overreaction to something (laughs) that Justin Fields does, and I can't wait for it. But as we're going into training camp week away, we've asked this question just about to everybody, but I think you're probably the best person to ask the question to. What's the biggest storyline going into this training camp? What are we looking to see as soon as this thing is all said and done? All right. So I've thought about this like in a very literal sense. You said going into training camp, which means when veterans report the 25th, will there be a pass rusher that is currently not on the roster? Will we know if there's going to be help for this defensive line this year? Because last year, it was the Monday before training camp started. They signed Riley Reef and Michael Schofield to help the offensive line. They knew that they needed to make some sort of changes up front. They said, okay, we're just going to like bring, we're going to provide an influx of competition. Yeah. So that's what they did the day before everybody got into Hallis Hall and got ready for training camp. Will they do the same with an edge rusher in the next? 
six days, five days. So that's like a very literal sense because we are going into training camp. Yes. Could the roster look very different? Because I just filed my 53. It runs on Monday. I would not be shocked if my 53 changes because of a pass rusher to be named later. They've kept hinting at this all offseason that they're going to evaluate their options. But yes, it is within the realm of possibility that they sign somebody. But the clock's been ticking. And we haven't seen any moves. They have had one of the quietest, like this stretch between minicamp and what we're about to go into on July 25th. There's been nothing, no extensions, no new, no new players being signed, nobody being released, nothing. I don't know how much quieter it's like how, how long they can remain this quiet, but that's the first thing I'm looking at. Who is not on the roster right now that by next Tuesday will be. It's, it's so it's so interesting to me because I'm trying to think, right? Like I've asked this question a couple of times. What if they don't sign somebody? Is there, I mean, like, is there any benefit at all to not signing someone at this point? Like you, you've got the money to do it. You've got the money to bring a guy in or the assets. If you really wanted to, to maybe trade for a guy, I'm not big on a guy like Chase Young, or mm-hmm. maybe a little more on Daniel Hunter, but there's a ton of question marks on injury with both of those guys. Right. But just like, I don't understand, and maybe it's just a price point thing right now, but I don't understand why there has been such, just how quiet it is, because it, it, there seems to be no benefit to me to not bring in a guy like Yannick Ngakwe or trade for a guy. I think, I mean, we've seen like the market for all positions, running backs, of course. We've got yeah. a couple out there that we've been tracking. Um, and other players make, you know, getting signed as free agents, kind of the the last tier of, you know, upper echelon free agents that are out there and not just guys that you can get in the bargain bin of free agency and bring in like there's, we're in a holding pattern in the league. And I think that time is very much dictating that because as you get closer to training camp, the pressure then starts ramping up. The the offers become more real because like, I'll take Dalvin cook for an example. So we know he has an offer on the table with Miami it was apparently not to his liking and he turned it down. So he still remains on the free agent market. Do I think he's going to end up in Miami at the end? Yeah, I do. I think the deal might get sweetened a little bit, but probably not much considering what just happened with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and and Tony Pollard, uh, none of them working out long-term deals, but that's just an example of what's the rush, right? We'll find out the rush will end up probably increasing when we get towards that first week of training camp because these guys, like the free agents that are out there, were not with their soon-to-be teams that we expect them at some point to sign with. They weren't with them throughout the offseason program. They've got catching up to do. You may yeah. be a unique Ngakwe who has had a really good career despite being on so many teams in the last four years. Like he's still got to like catch up to where like where he'll need to be wherever he's playing this fall. So I, I'm not surprised that like we haven't heard anything on the Daniil Hunter front. And I know that, you know, from my understanding, the both two sides are still kind of far away. Um, I'm not surprised at all that Chase Young hasn't been moved. I think that he's going to yeah. be in Washington till they figure out, okay, do we, do we love you enough to like keep you going on this trajectory to let you have your bounce back year here? Or is there a team that gets desperate in training camp due to an injury or another circumstance that says, no, we're willing to, to, to trade for him now. Like it's a leverage play here. I think with a lot of free agents, with teams, 
Um, and it also with guys that could potentially get traded in camp, we see that happen not as frequently as, as you'd probably think. Usually it happens towards the end of training camp, right. but this holding pattern that we're in, it is, it is something that feels like it takes forever. Cause it's like, why, why have they not done anything? And I think it always comes down to, you know, when the, the teams will pull the trigger on moves when they feel like it's absolutely necessary to avoid overpaying, um, and to maintain the leverage that they have over whomever they might be bringing in. Who's the pressure on more now, right? Like, because I think the Bears do have, listen, at the, at the end of the day, three-win team, all that being said, if people want money, come to Chicago. Like, mm-hmm. the Bears have the money to send to guys that probably are looking for these bigger contracts. But is the pressure more on the player who's going to need to catch up, going to need to get into the system, figure out how he fits into this? Or is the pressure more on the Bears just to get something done? Because I would assume they had to had conversation with guys at this point. I think it's more on the franchise, and I'll put it actually on the coaching staff, because you know, for Alan Williams, the Bears defensive coordinator, let's say that they don't get something done. And yeah. you're going into this season, you got DeMarcus Walker in free agency, but that doesn't fix the whole problem. You're going into the season with two starting defensive ends, potentially, that combined for four and a half sacks last year between Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson. Robinson's going into a second. You know what Travis Gibson is. He's eligible for an extension this year. I don't think he'll get one with Chicago. He's certainly not at the top priority. Like, He's he's we know what Travis Gibson is. We don't know what Dominique Robinson truly is. We saw flashes of it during his rookie year. If you can't fix what you have up front, then you put again, like it's the same problem as last year. You're putting way more pressure on your secondary. Um, You're making the lives of your linebackers way more difficult because everything starts up front. And of course, they did bolster the interior of the defensive line. Hopefully that will help at least with like preventing running backs and other players from getting to the second level and making Tremaine Edmonds job not as astronomically hard as it was for guys who were, you know, playing the linebacker position last year. But it's going to be on co- the coaching staff to make these adjustments knowing that their personnel might not get better. And if it does, then how do you integrate this player into the system and get everybody up to their speed. So frankly, I don't know if the front office feels a ton of pressure because Ryan Poles has told us what this roster is going to be, that it's going to be incomplete this year. And that's okay because they're sticking to their plan. It's why we never saw them get involved in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes or even with Dalvin Cook. There's been zero buzz because it doesn't fit what they're trying to do. But that's still like that pass rush is still a very glaring problem. It was the second worst in the NFL last year behind Atlanta in so many statistical categories. Yeah. And that if, if it's not addressed in some form or fashion, just bringing someone in for competition up front, then it's going to probably be another long year for the defense. Is, is there I asked Cap this yesterday, too, right? Because I feel like when I look at the names on this team, I see a guy like Justin Jones. I see Andrew Billings. I see Demarcus Walker. These were guys that were really good in their previous jobs at run stopping. And so I feel like right with the run stop, the Bears might be more improved. Is that kind of maybe the focus that they're going into this camp with of like, hey, listen, we got our run stoppers. Like at a minimum, you're going to have to throw the ball downfield to us. And that means you got to get it over to DBs that we think that is a pretty good group. And our new linebacker core that apparently mm. is the second best linebacking core in the NFL. Uh, shout out to that, I guess. Uh, but like, is that the the focal point? If you don't end up getting that guy, because at the end of the day, right, we're still 
I love Yannick Ngakwe. I love, you know, whoever we bring in, Daniil Hunter. Mm-hmm. It's still one guy, and we're going to have the same conversation that we have every sure. time we have one guy. Well, he's getting double teamed and chipped on every play because nobody else can get down there. Yeah, and, and one player doesn't fix a team. Like, if yeah. you're talking about, like, the wins above replacement value, using that stat to determine, okay, if you sign Daniil Hunter, how many more wins does that give you? I think it's it's marginal at best, yeah. but it improves a unit that was so so vastly unequipped, yeah. ill-equipped to do its job last year, at least on one side of the defensive line. Because you're right, the tension's going to go. If you have a really good pass rusher, the attention's going to go to wherever he ends up lining up. But I think the run defense, I mean, they were the 31st. They were ranked 31st in run defense last year. They were awful. And oh, especially yeah, at the end of the year, everything <laughs> fell apart. Detroit, Minnesota, like all the games where they just got gashed. Yeah. That's a serious problem. So they showed you this offseason what their efforts were in taking the interior of the defensive line, which not only helps with the pass rush and denting the pocket, which they like to talk about a lot at Hallis Hall. It you need to be able to stu- to stuff the run from wh- you know when they're when it's coming through the interior of the opposing offensive line. They need to be able to, with the amount of money that they spent in their linebackers, they need to be able to help them do their job better. And I just, you can't get gashed the way that they did last year and not think, okay, that's got to be priority, one of the top three priorities that you address during the offseason. I just think most Bears fans are looking at this saying, that's great. Like, there's a lot of faith in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And certainly, you know, Andrew Billings is a run stuffer. Like, he was a, yeah. he's a big body that you have there in the interior of the defensive line. It's important to have that. But there's still another glaring hole that will end up being a talking point if they don't address it in the, you know, next week or even like throughout training camp. If they find a window to do it and don't, then that's going to be probably a knock on this team because. The idea that with their whole like philosophy that they want players that they can build around, like you can't always, sometimes you have guys that are here for a year and then they're gone. (laughs) Like look at how many players were here last year that, you know, they brought in just to fill out a roster. They have to do that still. Like there will still be additions. It might not just be on the defensive line. Like they're going to end up cutting guys, like releasing guys, bringing in some guys for competition. They still have to like, even if you brought a defensive lineman in like Ngakwe and we know he wants a long-term deal, it, it might not, it might not fit your long-term philosophy. Oh, this guy's going to be a cornerstone player of our defense for the next five, six years, but it could work for two years. It could work for three years. And yep. if you're willing to go in on that um, and accept that, okay, this isn't breaking our philosophy. It's just making sure that we have enough talent to fill out this defensive line. I don't think that's a bad thing. You can't just constantly think they're going to go like and find players that will be here for the long haul. I know that's their plan. And like, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, how young he is still for having played five years of football. He's a long timer in their view in this defense. Same thing with TJ Edwards. And of course, what the, you know, if they give Jalen Johnson the extension, they can, they would be, that would be a sign that they're considering him a long-term piece. Not everybody has to be a long-term piece for you to justify putting them on your roster. Yeah, I, I think that this this training camp is going to be one that, I, I said this, it's going to be one of the most pivotal camps for what Ryan Poles is trying to build here. Mm-hmm. One, because of the identity this team is going to have to build up. But on the flip side of that, like, 
if his rookies stand out, I think that says a lot for a lot of contract situations yeah. on long-term guys, right? If Javon Dexter starts showing you something early, Zach Pickens says he doesn't want to be a name. He wants to be a legend. All right, bro. Like, let's see some legend play out here. Tyreek Stevenson, right? These are names of guys who Ryan Poles wants to put multiple draft class, classes together to kind of b- build out his vision of the team. That makes your team cheaper. That's how you have long-term success. And I think that, this is going to be the biggest step in his plan because if guys hit now, you know going into the season where a lot of these contract decisions are made, that's going to change kind of, okay, uh, maybe we move Jalen Johnson during the mm-hmm. season to a team that he wants to go to. Maybe we do that, right? Like things yeah. like that. No, I, I completely agree. And I think, again, it's just the idea that not everything can be done in one off season. Yeah. We are fully aware of that, but that doesn't mean just because something doesn't fit the long-term vision for this team that in the short term, it won't benefit the overall health of a specific unit of a specific yeah. side of the ball to get something done. Where's your, uh, if you're looking at the roster right now, heading into training camp, where do you feel the most confident on this team? Like, okay, we don't have to worry about that. That is set. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably the running back position. I think that's, I was trying to think of something that was a little bit like, you know, not as obvious, but the sheer number numbers game there is going to benefit the bears. I mean, they five running backs that we have. I mean, you have, you have in, in Kari Blazing game in there too. I'd love to see them utilize him. He's a really good athlete. I really love to see them utilize him more than just the splash play you see in training camp when he catches a third down pass on the sideline. I think I saw that like twice last year during camp, but uh, if the bears, if the bears want to take some pressure off of Justin Fields and not make him have to run as much as he did, having a strong running game is pivotal to that. And of course, it's a topical conversation this week because of the running backs that have put in the time, the effort have succeeded and they're not getting paid. The bears have a very inexpensive running back room right now in their own right. Khalil Herbert's in year three, Deontay Foreman signed here for about $3 million and Roshan Johnson is a rookie. Like those three and the competition there, like we'll finally start to see probably within the first week and a half of camp, what the reps actually look like. I fully expect Khalil Herbert to get the first crack at this. Like they've maintained that throughout, you know, throughout the off season program and in mini camp and OTAs, like we saw Foreman and Herbert, both kind of going like first team, second team, but the depth that they have at that position to know today's training camp starter at you know, with the first team offense might be different than tomorrow. So they're going to be testing out a lot, but I would like to believe that the depth that they have at that position puts them in a very good spot to feel comfortable knowing that their backfield can be multiple, that they can truly go by committee um, and that they have enough, like that'll probably be one of their harder decisions uh, yeah. to have to make. And that's good to have to make hard decisions because you do have, you know, I wouldn't say it's like an abundance of talent, but like they have enough talent in the running yeah. back room. And that's probably the position that you feel most comfortable with knowing that you have three very different rushers that can all contribute and can all make a meaningful impact on this team and this offense. Do you think the bears are heading into this training camp with a concern on the depth of this team? I mean, I, I love the positions. Front. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love the the starter names. I do. I love Tremaine Edmonds. I love TJ Edwards. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jack Sanborn guy. I know a lot of people are kind of making fun of that. It's like Sanborn's the next Brian Urlacher. It's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, But I'm a Sanborn guy. I, I think he's smart. But outside of that, I feel like the running back room, like your next best line, I'm sorry, linebacker room, your next best linebacker is what? Noah Sewell? He hasn't played a snap of NFL football yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the defensive line is thin. The The depth at the DB position is a little bit better this season, but I don't want to see uh, a Kendall Vildor's name show back up on the depth chart. I just don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm very scarred. He's up there with like the Chris Contes mm-hmm. and you know the guys that you look at and you're like, uh, we in trouble today. <laughs> I would say like the depth at corner, like if you if you think that Tyreek Stevenson is going to pick right back up where he left off in mini camp, like yeah. Jalen Johnson, that those two are the starting outside corners, uh, Kyler Gordon in the slot, like then you're comfortable rolling the dice with Ken- Kendall Vildor in his fourth, you know, his final year of his rookie deal. It's good yeah. depth, quality depth, Terrell Smith, um, Jalen Jones, like, where I think they've got some real depth issues is at safety. Like you, you're good with uh, with um, you know Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker, but behind those two, you, let's not forget they lost DeAndre Houston Carson. Who, when you have like nickel packages and dime packages, he's really quality depth. He's a smart player. Yeah. He knew what he was doing on special teams as well. Which that's going to be how you determine the final four or five spot uh, at the linebacker depth depth yeah. chart, certainly um, with, uh, with, with the cornerback spot as well. And, you know, I just, I'm not convinced yet. I mean, we've seen, we saw like ups and downs and very limited time from Elijah Hicks last year. And of course, Kendall Williamson, who they drafted this year, giant unknowns with their safety depth in the back end. And you don't want to, I mean, they're, they're passing defense, especially in the secondary was tested because they didn't have a pass rush, but like not that you expect those guys to get super meaningful snaps every single week, but it is important to have depth at that spot because of Eddie Jackson's injury last year. And he's coming off the list. Frank and Jaquan Brisker is primed for a breakout year, but is the supporting cast around him and behind him? Is it good enough to help him to help him get there? If he, if he had to miss time, remember he hurt his hand last year, the concussions, um, I that's probably one of the more like underrated storylines of the defense, like kind of the depth at some of those positions and also, um, you know, how they're going to fill out, like using those two positions, linebacker, cornerback, linebackers and DBs to fill out their special teams depth Um, because that's they got a lot of plays out of guys like that last year. And then they lost DeAndre Houston Carson to free agency and, uh, you know, I believe Joe Thomas still is not on this roster unless they decide that they want to bring him back, the linebacker who played a considerable amount um, on special teams too. So how do you replace that? Is it a Sterling Weatherford? Is it a Josh Blackwell or is it a Jalen Jones? That's going to determine some of those like further down the roster, um, ro- uh, you know, moves for the 53. I'm really intrigued to see how this coaching staff is going to attack this training camp because to me, uh, there are a lot of, Last season was a lot of we're taking a lot away from you, make it work. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care what nobody says, how Luke Getzey called the second half of some of those games. Like somebody wired down and was like, Justin's playing too good. We need to lose this one, dog. You can't, you got to stop passing the football. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> they they love you, Smith them on that one. But uh, I, I just, I, I'm looking at this coaching staff now and I feel like there is 
there's enough here that we should see an exponential amount of growth in all of those, right? First year, now second year coaches to the point where I need to see just about as much as we're expecting out of Justin Fields in year two for or year three, I'm sorry, from this coaching staff mm -hmm. this season. What do you think the expectation on Flus, especially being a defensive coach and, and his staff is coming into this training camp? I mean, they got they had their one year. It's kind of like the, the year of no excuses, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, we know there will still be deficiencies at certain spots on this roster. But from a coaching perspective, they have enough to work around those things to at least be a respectable to make a respectable jump, which I've said it a couple times from three wins to seven or eight wins. It fits that category. Respectable jump, not three to ten, three to eleven, whatever. But I think for Flus, I mean, he's a defensive minded coach and his defense was you know, an embarrassment at the end yeah. of last year. You had guys making business decisions. You had guys who looked like they had no clue what they were doing. And yes, injuries, attrition, all of the things that happened with this roster last year, not being, you know, not having talented enough players to field. Um, most of those excuses are alleviated, not completely gone, but they're like, you know, taken. It's a lot better than it was a year ago. So it's going to be on the coaching staff, especially starting on defense. Like, how can you get more creative with your pass rush? How can you not make it as predictable? How can you utilize, you know, we, we know that Allen Williams and the, the scheme, they don't blitz a whole ton, but like, do you really want your, like, how do you, how can you get more creative there? But also how can you not make your rookie safety, like yeah, your second year safety now? How, how is he not like going to be the leader in sacks with the way that this roster is currently constructed? It's hard to think of that, but um I think this coaching staff, and especially Luke Getze, because remember, he was getting coaching opportunities, at least like his name was out there as a head coach yeah. candidate. And that's like a very important thing for him um, to take the next step in his career. He's got to have a great year that syncs up with Justin Fields having a good, a good to great year to show, hey, I can call plays. I can put my quarterback in a position where he's successful because we know there were moments that, like it felt like stuff was not in sync last year, whether it was Justin Fields bailing on pass plays because he wasn't comfortable with the protections. Well, what about sliding the protection? What about, you know, it's hard to say like that they, that they like did everything they could because the talent was just like the pass protection was awful because of some of the players that they had to play. So they were doing yeah. the best they could, but now that you do have an increase in talent at several different positions, how, how does that impact how the coaches are going to call the game? The, it felt like the 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 pass the menu of pass plays they had was kind of limited last year based on the personnel. Now you have a number one receiver. You know, one of my other storyline things, or you know, for training camp, I'm looking for is the health of the two other two receivers with Mooney and yeah. Claypool. Like now that you like, assuming they're healthy, now that you have like a legitimate three receivers that you're comfortable fielding and not having to like use this mis mishmash of talent. Say, all right, well, I guess we're gonna throw you out here. Like, let's see what you can do. That should help a play caller and, and people who are responsible for coming up with a game plan to scheme against opponents. That should help them um, yeah. do their jobs better. I'm always here for a good use of the word mismosh. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. That's a, that, was, that was a good job there by Courtney Cronin on the, uh, on the podcast today. I have to applaud that. Uh, outside of the slow motion throws that we always see every training camp, right, where it's like he's mm -hmm. running to the right slow motion sidearm throw and like the camera zooms and it's a perfect catch. What are we really looking to see 
from Justin Fields in this training camp? What's the if you can leave training camp with one answer from Justin Fields, what's the biggest thing that you need to see him have improved upon? I'd say red zone offense because last year in training camp, there were some bad days where you could, it kills your confidence. Yeah. Like as an offensive player, like to come off the practice field after you throw two interceptions, one of which is a pick six. I remember there was like a Thursday in training camp last year where he just had an awful day. Yeah. It, like and it was just that stuff like to be able to if it does happen to be able to not let it carry over to the next day, which I think he's been good with. He did a really good job of that last year. I think the next day he went like three for four in the red zone. Yeah, it's it's making sure that like you don't string two bad days together, but also the improvement in that area. The last time we will have seen this team on the field, the red zone emphasis was the like that was the big thing. The the last day of minicamp, and it's important to build your confidence down there. And now that you have another weapon in Robert Tunyon, along with Cole Komet down in the red zone, how do you utilize those players? Because we didn't see that from the tight end position in training camp much last year, as much as it was projected that Cole Komet was going to be taking over the Jimmy Graham role. We just didn't, that didn't really come to fruition. And frankly, he didn't really catch on until what was it like week eight or nine last year. Yeah. I would say from fields because the, the overarching storyline, every national media member, any fan, like uh, any just NFL fan, we're like, oh, let's check in on the Bears. What, what's going on with them this training camp? The big storyline is going to be Fields. It has to be. He's a third-year quarterback trying to prove he's a franchise guy in a year that's going to determine, do the Bears go draft a quarterback next year or are they riding with Fields and util- utilizing that first-round capital that they have to continue to build around him? So I think that, you know, to, to what we see from him in – you can't put too much stock into the preseason games and how much he'll play or anything like that. But near being like nearly perfect in those games, I think is kind of necessary for the Chicago bears team because like, especially for the offense to take some of that pressure off fields. But the day-to-day stuff for me, some of the, like, you know, being on the same page with your receivers seems like such an easy thing to like you know an easy concept it was really hard last year like there were a lot of drop passes in training camp and some of that is most of that's on the receivers that they had but for him to take that next step it's you know the the improved pocket presence which of course it's hard to tell when they can't hit you it's very hard to tell like when when you're wearing a you know the penny like the jersey that uh says don't hit me i'm the quarterback but like is he bailing too early on plays that he should have hung in there and waited for somebody to get open downfield or threw somebody open? That's the next step for Justin Fields. And it's going to, I know it's like, you're asking me about like training camp. It's going to be hard to see in training camp, but can he continue to make tight window throws? Can he continue yeah. to improve upon his accuracy? We know he's a great running quarterback when he needs to be, but does he need to be all the time or can he start to like pull some of that away and have more faith that the protection is going to be there, that it's improved, that his receivers are capable of doing things that last year's group didn't. All of those things you won't know in a week, won't know in two weeks, probably won't know by the first preseason game. But if you can see that improvement on a day-to-day and then a week-to-week basis, fans will probably be feeling more comfortable with Justin Fields going into the season. Because last year it's like, all right, you get a hodgepodge of a mishmash, some might say. No, a of like hodgepodge and mishmash in the same podcast Courtney's killing it today I need Lance to come in and drop some phrases like that or McKee like you know (laughs) 
I set the bar pretty high today. You set um, the bar high. So, but like we had those moments. What did they go? I don't, I don't even remember. What did they go in the preseason last year? Weren't they like two and one? Like, uh, yeah, I think we we actually like, played pretty well. Like Justin Fields yeah. actually looked like a and good And I remember like they won the Cleveland game at the end of the year. Like, oh man, it's actually going to be better than people think. And then of yeah. course, you know, it's not. But by, uh, by the time the season's over, it's like, yeah, that of course had no effect on anything. But like there are moments where I think people talk themselves into, okay, this is going to actually work. Like, but there was still that hesitancy. Yeah. Um, but like when you're seeing it every day and you're seeing the downs and the ups and then like the the vice versa of that, that I think is what makes it really difficult to, you know, to project. Um, so to be able to see a more consistent Justin Fields in training camp will be the key to, you know, unlocking whatever is next for this team this year. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy to me, right? Like somebody put on, I forget whoever it was, cut up a bunch of clips of him throwing the football last year. And just the amount of times where I would say probably 60% of the passes that that they had just cut up, it's like Braxton Jones getting pushed into his mm-hmm. lap or Sam Mustafer falling over and he's taking a shot, trying to throw the ball, completes a pass, but throwing a ball while taking a hit. To me, this offensive line unit, like, it, it's go time. I'm sorry. You got a rookie on one side, a second year player on the other. That's what they're throwing out there. Mm-hmm. Where's the biggest concern for you on this offensive line? Is it with the young players? Is it with the fact that kind of when we saw Cody White here at center, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It, it worked, but it wasn't great. Like where's your biggest concern on this line right now? I'd say it's probably, I mean, Frankly, when I think about this offensive line unit, it's not the chief concern that it's always been, at least yeah. the last couple of years, where you know you're starting five going into training camp. That feels rare because it is. Because last yeah. year at this time, it's like, all right, Riley Reeve, they sign him on the 11th hour of training camp, starting left tackle. Like, you know, they'll probably play Braxton Jones. But like, no, like Braxton Jones held on to that left tackle spot from the day he started at training yeah. camp to like, yeah. it just never, it never dissipated. It's, you know, I think with the protection issues that we saw last year and the amount of moving around that they had to do, the quality of depth behind the starters will always be what you're looking at. So, you know, you have you have good depth in Lucas Patrick. He can play guard and center. Cody Whitehair, you know, starting his career in Chicago in 2016 before, like, you know, kind of playing both and then moving into the center role and then moving away from it and going to guard. Like, they wouldn't... I know they have to justify his contract, but they wouldn't put him in a position that wouldn't make sense for him or that they didn't feel he was capable of playing just to, just to do it. So I think him moving back to center is a good thing behind him. You have Lucas Patrick, whatever Alex Leatherwood becomes in this offense. That's a big one. Um, Jatari Carter, like, you know, how, how many do they keep? I think they probably end up rolling with nine on the offensive line, but the quality of depth for like whoever your swing tackle is, whoever, you know, is backing up, uh, you know, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, him moving over to left guard after playing so well at right guard, we'll see how that looks, but they've been really consistent with that, with that starting five or the projected starting five that I think if you're a bears fan, you're probably pretty confident. Like, for once, it's not the biggest talking point going into yeah. camp the way it's been the last couple of years. No, I think for me, right, the Cody Whitehair situation, I feel better about because 
the little time that I saw Lucas Patrick at center, I was yeah. like, oh, he looks like a center. Like, he actually looks like he can play the position. I think that's why I was so shocked when it was like he basically just, you go stand over there, be with the twos, you'll be swing, whatever we need you to be. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what this what this training camp is going to produce. I'm so excited about this. Before we let you go, Courtney, um, outside of actually being on camera, what's been the most fun part of first take? I think it's the rotating cast of personalities that you get to be with. Like I did an episode two weeks ago. It was the first one I ever did with Stephen A. And that was fun because yeah. how much energy he injects into this show, which is his show. Um, it, you can tell how much it means to him. And you can also tell how he can set people up um, for success in an argument. And also when he goes at somebody, how well thought out his responses are like, this is performative and it's yeah. really, really well done. I loved being out with Russo. I did stuff with him last year. He's always on on Wednesdays. He's so fun and getting a chance to, like you mentioned at the top, like flex part of my, you know, brain muscle uh, of like, you know, retention of information from like, getting to cover, you know, talk about things I don't cover. Like I don't cover the NBA anymore, but I watch it and I consume it. And I've got thoughts on the Joel Embiid situation and whether he's like really serious about wanting out of Philly and getting to talk about baseball. Like I never get to talk about baseball on radio. It just does not track. And the fact that we're 12, 13 days away from the trade deadline and Shohei Otani is on this middling ass 48 and 48 team with the angels. It's like, all right, they moving him. Are they not moving him? Like that's so fun because I never get to opine on things like that. Like in depth, like on around the horn, we do it, but like we're hitting so many different topics to have the runway to come up with a point to, argue with somebody and knowing that it's all in good fun. Like you're not arguing there to like tear somebody down, but like, if you've got a point, if you've got like a fire take, um, it is cool when you can deliver it and feel confident in the information you presented and knowing that like, there are a lot of people who aren't going to agree with you. They're going to call you out on it, but that's like, it's the whole idea that a sports argument, no, there's no real winner in it. Like it's a sports argument for a reason. So I've had a blast with it. I I'm always thankful for like the opportunity to get to do it. And, you know, we've definitely switched the gear to talk, switch gears to like going all in on football. So it's, it's time. Like you could tell the last couple episodes, like, all right, like it's season's coming. And that's exciting because we know it's literally right around the corner. I just love the fact that you, you called the angels middling and trash at the same time. And it just so describes them so well. It's like, you usually can't be both. No, I said middling ass team, not trash, middling ass, like very much average. Like they're five. They've been hovering in this 500 space for a month now. Yeah, they have injuries like Rendon's injured, uh, obviously with Mike Trout and his his wrist. Like it's not a great place to be in. And they have maybe the like the biggest decision in baseball in years that they have to act upon or stand pat and watch him leave in free agency. Cause you know, if he doesn't make the playoffs, that's exactly what he's going to do. So I've had fun, like tracking things that I don't get to normally do. And certainly when I'm in season with the NFL, my focus is like so heavily on the bears and the league at large, that it is cool in the summer months to get to talk about tennis, get to talk about what we saw with Carlos Alcaraz, talk about golf, talk about yeah. the WNBA. Like it's it's there's a lot that's out there that I very much enjoy getting to sink my teeth into in ways that I don't during the regular season of the NFL season. 
I've really enjoyed it. I tune in every day. Shout out to uh, Courtney over on First Take. But this is the Chicago Bears podcast, and this is another fire episode. Appreciate you for pulling up on us. Make sure you guys stay tuned with us. At, as always, uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and of course, leave that five-star review. We got some five-star reviews out there on the uh, podcast awesome. side, so we it's always good to guys. see. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear Don, training camp's almost here. We're almost there. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. Peace.